0: that phrase in every generation is a phrase that appears in the Passover Haggadah in our people's vein, our bloodline the Haggadah, the narrative that actually is what infuses us with vitality and aliveness the transmission from one generation to another the story of our own perseverance through 210, 400 years of slavery our resilience, our capacity to adapt and to hold on to faith. Chol Dor in every generation that phrase appears twice in Haggadah and in both of its formulations it holds two ends of a a very tautly held tightrope in every generation there are those who rise up to destroy us the Haggadah warns in every generation you can be rest assured as if a metaphysical or ontological truth no different than the truth of the ten Makot, the ten plagues no different than the truth of the splitting of the Red Sea no different than the truths that the Haggadah wants each generation no, we are given this axiom, in every generation there will be those who will find a reason, a ruse an excuse to rise up against us, says the Haggadah the Haggadah then says but God will be with us, the Haggadah promises but the real promise is in the second, Behold, dorvador, Behold, vador, Chayav Adam, Otit Ki Yatsa, Hi Yatsa, Mi That in every generation, not only will there be anti Semitism, but in every generation there will be people that will come along and read themselves into the story. And through reading themselves into our story, into our sacred narratives, they, we, will be empowered to survive those who might see our demise. Those whose ignorance and blindness might see instead of human, see Jew. In every generation, each and every one of us is obligated, says the Haggadah, to read ourselves into our sacred stories, to find ourselves in the text, to find how the sacred narrative of our people is also our personal and collective narrative today, not just then, but here and now, right here in this moment. So let's do that. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm in the narrow place. And I could use a little bit of seeing myself in the story of our people this week in a way that it might give me some sustenance, some reminder, some wisdom, some enjoinder, some obligation, some commandment, some thing this is it everybody chapter 44 of the book of Genesis the Joseph and Judah at the O.K. corral Judah the fourth child of Leah the fourth child of Jacob and Leah Joseph the lost child the lost brother, the one sold into slavery who is now, looks nothing like Joseph. He has a new name Safnat Paneach. Nobody knows how to say it, but Safnat Paneach that's his Egyptian name. He's got two children. One called, the one who helped me be fruitful in the land of my suffering and the other one called, for God will help me forget all of the suffering that I experienced in my father's home those are heavy names I'll try that on at home. Menashe and Ephraim. And Judah, who is now at this point in the story, Judah, this incredible hero. The one whose idea it was, to begin with, to sell Joseph into slavery. Judah who said, what benefit will we gain from killing our brother? Let's just sell him. Judah, who himself loses two children, two sons in chapter 38 Judah who is now told his father Jacob that if we don't bring Benjamin down to see this viceroy we won't be able to bring back food we'll all starve to death I have to bring Benjamin and Jacob who said if you take Benjamin I will die and Judah who says to him oh don't worry if I don't bring him back to you, I will be the surety. I will be the collateral. I will stand in for Benjamin. Nothing will happen to Benjamin. Judah promises, and in that moment, of course, rectifies the sin. He puts himself in the place of his own brother, Benjamin, as he had not done with his brother, Joseph. And here, Judah is standing before the most powerful, second most powerful person in the world. And, of course, Joseph is completely unrecognizable to his brother. And as readers that itself is painful. That someone who is so close could be so far. That Joseph could be so hidden and that Judah could be so obtuse. That there could be such power between them were it not for the the distance. And the inability to see one another. And Judah leans in, and in the remainder of chapter 44, in the longest monologue in the Torah, Judah will represent to Joseph, not knowing that it's Joseph, what has transpired, what has taken place, in order to move this cruel man to have compassion. On him, on his family, and on his father who had suffered so much. And by the end of the story, by the end of the monologue, chapter 45 begins with these poignant, beautiful, <laughs> and Joseph could not contain himself any longer. And he said out loud, let everybody go. Velo Amad Ish Ito and no person stood with Joseph Bit Vada and that's a really great word. When Joseph confessed to his brothers, Bit Vada Yosef El Echav. In his making known, in his vidui. In this Yehuda, whose name also means, Joseph said, There can't be anybody here. I'm going to be vulnerable now. I'm usually tough and stoic. Now I'm going to be vulnerable. Get all of the guys out of here. Nobody should be here. I'm about to cry. I'm getting all for clamped. I'm going to. and And for centuries, commentators have wondered a couple of things. One is, what was it that Yehuda really said? What was it that Yehuda really said that moved Joseph to come out of hiding? And number two, what is it that Joseph revealed in his revealing? Is it just that he showed him that he was Joseph? Was that all that happened? And so the obvious answer is that the text is enough. Judah says, right, I'm passing the test, Joseph. I'm going to put myself in place of Benjamin and I can't see The evil that will befall my father my dad will die if I don't come back with Benjamin I'd rather die than see my father die but the Midrash the rabbinic gloss here is much more powerful in terms of what is whispered into the ear of Joseph the Midrash plays on the word Vayigash which means intimate, it gets in close and the Midrash says he was prepared to fight, he was prepared to pray and then crazily the Midrash says that he whispered into Joseph's ear, I know who you are. I know who you are. You don't have to hide anymore. Not your hiding isn't working. That probably was true in the Midrashic mind. But something Something tipped Judah off and he whispered in Joseph's ear, the gig, the jig, the thing is up. You can't hide here any longer. And not just you can't hide here any longer, says the Midrash. You can't hide here any longer because you also will be swept up. If you think it's safe here, says the Midrash, anachronistically reading this back of course from future generations potentially but maybe truthfully saying to Joseph if you think it's safe for you to bury who you are here, here will be the place where you are safe not to be who you really are, not to be Joseph to name your children Hebrew names and imagine that you might forget your true identity, who you are as a child of Jacob, if you think this place is the place where you should decide to set up your assimilation camp where you won't look like us, you won't speak like us, you won't have children like us, if you think this is the place and it won't catch you here, you're mistaken. You also, says the Midrash, Joseph, you can't hide here. Your true identity, who you really are, where you came from, If you don't own it, if you don't see it, if you don't celebrate it, if you don't out yourself, if you don't live loud and proud as a Jew, or as an Israelite, or a child of this family, the rabbis are on to something here. As unlikely as this conversation might have taken place. The rabbis tipping their yarmulkes to a phenomena. To a desire to be invisible, to not make... A wave to not have to go back, to not touch the dark place, the difficult place, the painful place, whatever it is. The rabbi is reading a phenomenon of Jewish history that I know that I'm not the only one who's familiar with it. Of the Jew who thinks that they will hide. Of the Jew who says, oh, that's too Jewish. I was with a friend on New Year's Eve and we happened to be watching Jackie Mason. The World According to Me came on. Jackie Mason, who, did, who was blacklisted for all kinds of reasons, but who said in the end of the show, this was from like 1986, I think, that there were people who said that I'm too Jewish <laughs> to make it on Broadway, and I thank all of you for coming here tonight to prove to them that I can be this Jewish and still be on Broadway. I spoke to someone this week and I said, you know, I have a deep desire to, to buy like a mezuzah chain for one of my kids, <laughs> in light of everything that's going on. And she said, really? You're really going to put a mezuzah chain and let the whole world know, isn't that too Jewish? too Jewish does everybody have to know I understand in your house you wear yarmulke I imagine Judah leaning into Joseph and saying no where's your kippah nice Jewish boy like you here in Pharaoh's house no so hard for you to put on a yarmulke no what's the big deal is there kosher food here And what's with this new name, Tsafnat Paneach? The artist formerly known as Joseph is now Tsafnat Paneach. (laughs) It's all right to be just Jewish enough so that we're not, you know, we're not too Jewish, not too proud, not too loud, not too old world shtetl. God forbid, if I were growing up, in my yeshiva growing up, I went to a nice Upper East Side day school. And I remember coming back from Israel after a year of studying Torah intensively, and I happened to be very spiritually turned on. So what did I do? I had my little fringes, my tzitzis, and I wore them out on the Upper East Side. And it was like, I got a ticket. I went back to the high school, and literally somebody in the school pulled me over and said, Do you really have to wear your tzitzis like that? You're going to scare everybody. Can you imagine that? Let's use that with another religious group or another ethnicity. Can you imagine that? Let's just turn that on. You're being way too proud of your African culture. You're being way too proud of of your heritage. You're being way too proud. We could play the game. What is it? dor vador. In every generation. Along comes a reminder to us. And I'm not saying it has to be this way. Unlike the pronouncement and the proclamation of the Haggadah. But it just seems to follow us. I don't want to get into root causes. And who knows. I'll leave that to Deborah Lipstadt and other geniuses. But all I know is. That along comes... Last Saturday night, and in its aftermath, the eighth night of Hanukkah, and then the ninth night of Hanukkah here and this week. And you wake up one morning, you realize that this isn't new. That we liberal Jews have been lucky enough to be walking around passing because we don't look Jewish. But our brothers and sisters over the last three years or longer have been suffering bricks to the face our brothers and sisters not far from here have been terrified and have come and spoken to us about being terrified and Judah leans in to Joseph and says it's safe here for you? is that good? because you're going to get caught up too just like Esther later on in the Torah and guess what? Even if you survive, it'll kill the lineage. So why don't you just come on out from wherever you are and say, I'm Yosef. I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. I'm the grandson of the great Isaac my great grandfather was Abraham my great grandmother was Sarah my grandmother Rebecca I have a lineage, I have a heritage I have beauty and majesty and I wear it proudly I invite the world to do the same with their lineage and their ethnicity and their particular identities and all of the hyphens I want to live in a world where it's free to be out and celebrate who I am and give you that permission to and why can't we all So maybe when Joseph says when he confessed to his brothers maybe he also confessed to them that he could countenance their suffering as he hid. That he could countenance watching things happen to the family while he was ensconced in his safe prison in Egypt. Maybe we too need to confess that sometimes we too have been ensconced in our own world, not aware of anti-Semitism and the effects on the broader Jewish community because we, we don't always see our unity until something like this happens. Maybe that's the confession that we need to make tonight too and this weekend. As we march on Sunday, together with everyone to say we are one body politic, we are one united Am Yisrael Chai, we are one nation of Israel, one Jewish people with all of its diversity and all of our differences, but we too will walk that talk with them. We will throw our lot in as our lot is already in with all of them and with all those who join all those who say we want to be allies for you to be who you are and as you have been allies for us to be who we have been, that is our confession. That we have not always been sensitive to that. And that sometimes we too have peddled in looking at the Orthodox Jewish world in a particular way, with a particular valence. And it's time for us to stop that. And maybe there's also another thing happening. Maybe, just maybe, that at the moment when Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers and identifies his true self and says, Ani Yosef. His first words of self-revelation. He then says, Ha'od avichai. Is my dad still living? Is the lineage into which I was born still living? Is there still room there for me? Do I still belong? Will you make space for me? Can I contribute? Is there something more that I might do? I'm thinking tonight and thought a lot this week about how the response in the broader traditional Jewish world this week was to celebrate the siyum ha to celebrate the completion of the Talmud this week 90,000 strong in a stadium usually dedicated to all manner of very violent and physical things in that stadium you could hear a pin drop as 90,000 of our brothers and sisters prayed I thought, Od avinu chai. Yes, it's still alive. Od Imenu, Od Yahadutenu, Od, we are still here. And the only question for us, I think, is how is it that we both uncover, discover, recover, reclaim our Jewish pride? and then contribute to this ongoing miraculous story that is our people. So I'll tell you, I'm having a lot of hope tonight too. Because what began last week with that horrific news as we received it at the end of Shabbat concluded for me personally last night when my son Tal asked me late into the evening, Abba, Can we learn Pirkei Avot together? Can we learn the ethics of the fathers? And then last night, for the first time in his life, we learned three Mishnah. Haltingly, in the way that an eight-year-old who's just learning Hebrew, he made out the words, Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai, Umisara Yoshua that is a lineage of the Yosef who says is my lineage still alive and how might I add to it so everybody friends if you've been here for even five minutes maybe if you've been here a decade you know that I have never given a sermon like this one tonight never go back through the 50 times a year that I've spoken Consecutively over the last ten years, that's 500 sermons, and you won't find one sermon like this because I hate survivalist Judaism. I want surthrivalist Judaism. I want Judaism that is thriving and that is exciting. But we Jews know, Behold dor vador, in every generation, they gather for reasons we can't comprehend and we shouldn't have to figure out but they gather and so do we so do we gather for love we gather to learn we gather to do mitzvot to do good deeds we gather to be more Jewish and more universalist to be more loving and more open that's what we do so if you're not a member of the shul I can't wait to see your membership form this coming week right? I mean, what else is there to do? Join a shul. Get involved. Come to learn Torah. Come to sing nigunim. What else are we going to do? March with our brothers and sisters. March for, for freedom, for liberty, for justice. Hear whispers of Judah saying, come out, come out, wherever you are.